Hello, beautiful friends, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have episode number 38, Dress to Win, with executive coach Terry McDougall. In this episode, you'll discover style setbacks that limit your career and how to avoid them, how elevating your style can help you climb the corporate ladder, blind spots to your professional style you've never even thought about and how truth and labeling is imperative to your career success. I am so excited to share all Terry's knowledge with you. But first, are you frustrated with shopping and feel there must be a better way? Then I invite you to try out Style Finder Boutique. My husband Jim and I, aka Big Daddy, opened Style Finder in 2015 to bring women just like you the best in upscale casual clothing, that's perfect for work, the weekend, and everything in between. We offer three easy ways to shop. You can shop with us 24-7 at shopstylefinder.com or you can download the Style Finder Boutique app for both iPhone and Android. Be sure you turn notifications on so you know when we go live. You'll not only find a selection of amazing clothing, but we offer tools and resources to ensure you get clothing that's right for you. From our shop the look videos that offer styling suggestions to fit videos and measurements that help you determine if something will fit your shape, we bring the best of online shopping to your laptop or mobile device. Use code PODCASTLOVE to save 20% on your first order online or on the app. If you're in Raleigh, North Carolina, then I invite you to visit our brick-and-mortar location. We're in North Hill Shopping Center, and our team of stylists are here to assist you in curating the perfect outfit, selecting the perfect gift, or building a whole new wardrobe. Who knows, I might be in the boutique myself to personally help style you. We help you know what to wear and how to wear it so you can feel confident and beautiful every single day. Let us be your style's secret weapon so you can dress like you mean it. Welcome to Style by Mary Michelle, a podcast designed to empower you through personal style. I'm your host, Mary Michelle Nidefer, a master style coach, founder of Style Finder Boutique, and creator of the Style Finder ID system. I'm here to help you know what to wear, how to wear it, and how to get dressed in seven minutes or less. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast. Today's guest is Terry McDougall. Terry is an executive and career coach, speaker, and best-selling author of the book, Winning the Game of Work, Career Happiness and Success on Your Own Terms. She works with managers, executives, and professionals who want to draw upon their greatest, most authentic abilities to positively impact their organizations. She supports clients who are creating change, driving innovation, and navigating transitions. After 30 years of corporate experience, Terry became an executive coach to concentrate on helping leaders fully step into their potential and lead satisfying careers. Welcome, Terry. Michelle, it's so great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Well, let's start off. Tell me, what does success on your own terms mean? What do you mean by that? Ah, you know, that's so, um, it's interesting. When I was writing my book, I came across a bit of research that a professor at Harvard Business School did. His name's Tom DeLong. 
and he studies high achievers. And what he discovered, or what his hypothesis is, is that high achievers are addicted to external validation. Mm -hmm. And that hit me like a ton of bricks whenever I read that because I was always a high achiever. I did well in school. I'm, I'm a striver. And you know, when I thought back over my life, I thought, well, yeah, I can remember like in kindergarten and first grade getting that gold star at the top of the paper. And, you know, over time, what happens is that we tend to put off gratification so that we can get those rewards. Yes. I mean, and that's that's what happens, right? I mean, when I was in high school, I mean, I was little, I was a little nerdy, but uh, <laughs> sometimes I might stay home on a Friday night to study if I had a test on Monday instead of going out with my friends. So we're delaying that gratification. We're putting off something that might be fun in the moment to get a reward later on. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I say that I work with people that are successful but not satisfied. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is that from the outside, these people have the trappings of success. They're working for good companies. They're making a good salary. They have a great title. They've got the trappings of success. But a lot of times when I start talking to them, what I discover is they're not that happy, that they're paying a high price for the success. You know, they're feeling stressed. They're feeling anxious. Um, they're maybe investing more into work so that they can maintain that success. And then they don't have enough time and energy to actually enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it is, it is sort of a loaded question to ask, like, what is success? I personally think that success is not success unless you can enjoy it. And, you know, somebody else's definition or, you know, what the world says success is, a lot of times we're chasing that and we might get it. And then we're like, okay, I got the brass ring, but I thought that I was going to feel different yeah. once I got it. Cause yeah. I've, I've, you know, put so much off to get this. Mm -hmm. And now I got it and I'm like, okay, I'm still the same person. I still have the same problems. Maybe I have more money in my paycheck, but so it, at some point, I think it's really important to start shifting that uh, search for external validation back to getting in touch with our own inner wisdom and our own self-validation because we're able to do that. And I think that when we step fully into who we are and we, we show up authentically, that that's when we start to feel really satisfied mm, because we can be absolutely. ourselves. Absolutely. Well, as a style coach, yeah, that's my whole perspective. And yeah. what I've seen is that when women, I think when women, you know, I, I mostly work with women, but when women, men too, I'm sure, when you can step into who you are meant to be authentically, whether it's your career or your style or everything you do, that's empowering. And that's where I think we go inward and we don't need the external validation because we're happy. We're satisfied. So true. Really. So, so true. I mean, I always um, say that it's not what other people think of us that matters. It's what we think that other people think of us that matters. And, and honestly, if we can stand with ourselves and we can be that reassuring voice to say, you're okay, you're doing great. Like you're, you're wonderful, you're smart, you're, you know, all of these positive things, we can give ourselves that validation. And when we do, we stand solid. Absolutely. You know? People Absolutely. can't really push you off center when you're there, when you're standing with yourself. 
Mm-hmm. You know, Terry, I feel like this perspective, this is so timely because so many of the conversations I've had lately with friends, with other guests, with just, you know, people in general, it's been about really shifting gears from a more masculine approach of doing, 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 and achieving to more being, yes. you know, allowing more pleasure into our lives and doing yeah. things that make us happy and taking time off and indulging ourselves. Can, you know, is, tell me about your experience with your clients around that. Well, you know, I, it's funny because when I, I'm on podcasts and usually at the end, they'll ask me like, do you have any last words of wisdom? And the thing that I want people to realize is that you are absolutely worthy exactly as you are. And the more that we lean into that, the more we're in flow. We don't need to strive. We don't need to push. And in fact, when we can, you know, rise from, you know, that area of stress where, you know, we're sort of like in fight or flight, we're feeling triggered by things that go on around us. That's, I mean, it's, it's natural, you know, for us to go into fight or flight at some times. And it's, it's necessary for, in some cases to go there, but in our modern world, we spend more time than is necessary in fight or flight because we are typically not truly threatened in a life or death situation, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe if you're on the highway and somebody veers into your lane, yeah, okay, you're gonna get that jolt of adrenaline. But a lot of people feel that way all day long at work. And mm-hmm. it's very unlikely that they're truly facing life or death situations. But when we're in that like lower level of energy where we're you know hyper vigilant and we're like worried and and ruminating or feeling de- uh, defensive, we that is a very energy inefficient way to live. Like it's like walking around with a, a bucket of energy that has a bunch of holes in the bottom. Like it's just dripping out. And then when we are faced with a challenge where we need to you know, delve into the energy, there's hardly any there mm-hmm. because it's just been dripping out all day long. And we need to, you know, really examine our beliefs and replace those beliefs with things that, that support us and serve us well, where we can feel good about ourselves, that we're not, you know, looking around and saying, oh, you know, am I, do people not like me or am I not fitting in? We just got to say like, who cares, right? I am who I am. I am worthy. I am special. Yeah, I have a particular purpose that nobody else has. I don't need to compare myself to other people. And when we can be there, like just solidly in that space where we belong, and honestly, it's our birthright. Yes. Um, and then we don't have to, we can patch up the holes in our bucket of energy. Yes. And then we can just flow towards the things that we need to do instead of feeling like we're grinding it out. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of a wasted energy when we're grinding versus flowing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. That's absolutely true. Absolutely. I think, you know, from my own personal experience, I've hit different points throughout my career, my journey, where I found like I'm pushing too hard. And I think about a year ago, you know, in during the midst of the pandemic, our boutique and my whole bit, our whole business had this massive pivot. And we were working really hard and just really had to regroup and go down a different, not a fully different path, but a, a slightly different path. And I found myself right at a year ago, just feeling like, 
who am I? Why am I doing this? Just depleted, frustrated, fragmented. And it took me, you know, pull, really shake, you know, giving myself a, a talking to to say, okay, let's regroup, let's get back on track. And it's made all the difference. So what are some what are some tips and things that you can recommend to if you find yourself feeling that way, what would you recommend to well, first, I should ask, like, how do you even recognize that? And well, you pull yourself back if you find that, oh, my gosh, that's me. Well, I mean, first of all, if you're feeling pain, you know, if, you, if, you've been, if you've been doing the same thing over and over and you're not getting different results, it might be time to sort of zoom out a little bit and look at the bigger picture of what's going on around you. You know, one of the things that I've I've seen, I've experienced it personally, and I've seen it with a lot of high achievers that I've worked with, is that typically when they run into obstacles, that they double down. They want to do twice as much as what they were doing. They want to put the pedal to the metal. They want to take on more. And a lot of times that just exacerbates the situation. They just become more and more exhausted and more and more frustrated and a lot of times start doubting themselves and thinking maybe I'm not good enough, I'm not management material, I'm not whatever. And I think that when we have run into the same obstacle a number of times, what we need to do is actually stop and take a deep breath and to zoom out. and. It's uncomfortable for people to do that because there's fear that, hey, if I, if I even slow down a little bit, I'm going to get thrown off the treadmill and, you know, I won't be able to keep pace. And it's important for us to recognize that, you know, whatever got you here is not going to get you to the next level. You've mm -hmm. got to learn to grow and adapt. Um, if you're finding that you're, you're having an emotional response to something, it's important to stop and go deep and say, what's my thought? Mm -hmm. When something triggers me and I start to feel sad or angry or defensive, what's the thought in that moment? Mm -hmm. Because we can't, it, we can't control our emotion. We need to control what it is that's causing us to feel that way. And we can, if we look at the the belief if we can really it's in our subconscious but if we can access it and pull it up to the level of consciousness and maybe it's that we're saying to ourselves people don't like me um i'm not good enough you know i should be doing something like the should that's try to get rid of the shoulds <laughs> right don't should on me um but if we can raise that to the level of consciousness and ask ourselves how's this serving me mm -hmm. right if this is causing me to feel anxious or feel bad about myself, it's not serving you. Mm -hmm. So what do you need to do? What's the thought that you'd rather replace it with? Now, it doesn't happen automatically, but you know, what will happen over time is that you'll find yourself, you know, starting to feel insecure or anxious or whatever and and then you can remind yourself like, "Oh yeah, I'm in that situation where I'm worried that people don't like me. Mm -hmm. But if you've examined that and said, that's not true, like people are nice to me at work or in this group or whatever, you know, that I don't think that that's really true. Mm -hmm. That's a vestige from 
third grade when the girls were bullying you on the playground or something, right? You, you develop that as a coping mechanism to protect yourself at a certain time in your life. Mm -hmm. And you've just kept it because it kept you safe way back then, but you haven't really, you know, examined whether that little piece of, you know, subconscious software needs to be updated. Right. And, um, you know, there, usually there's a big difference between what we're like when we're eight years old and 38 <laughs> or 58, mm -hmm. you know, uh, we've got we've got more things at our disposal a lot more uh coping mechanisms and uh we're not as helpless as we might have been when we were young and we developed sort of a a blunt coping mechanism even if somebody doesn't like us we can say well yeah that person doesn't like me and i'm okay with that mm -hmm. right that's supposed to be in your life <laughs> yeah yeah exactly <laughs> or it could be that true. that's not true you know that just because somebody looks at me a certain way, that doesn't mean they don't like me. Yeah. You know, I've got, I, I think I'm highly sensitive and I'm very, I've been very emotional and I've got a couple of you know, tools I've come up with to, to help myself get through things. And I think one of the questions, it sounds like it's very similar to what you, what you how you reframe it, how you frame it, but it's, what am I making this mean? So true. And so I'm like, true. oh yeah, that that's not really how it was intended, but I make it mean that Mm -hmm. you know, go down the rabbit hole. Yes. And so, yeah. When I can catch myself, when can I ask myself that instead of just going directly to the feeling, ask myself, what am I making it mean? Well, yes. I make it mean that this, and is this true? No, is right. that true? no, <laughs> and it can help bring me back to, okay, I can work through this. I don't need sure. to be in that feeling that like you said, was you know, triggered from the third grade when something happened that has just yeah. an automatic response. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we also have to realize that, you know, other people's responses are about them. They're mm -hmm. not about us, you know, and it's, um, it can be very easy to take other people's responses personally mm -hmm. and to, to believe that like, oh, I made them angry or I made them insecure and that's their choice. Yes. Right. Like we should not allow other people's responses to us to change how we show up. Mm -hmm. You know, that's about them. And, you know, like you were saying earlier, sometimes, you know, maybe there's been somebody in our life that in a certain season they were valuable in mm -hmm. our life. But maybe things have changed and, the, you know, it's no longer a relationship that serves us. Right. You know, we don't have to, you know, stay attached to people for our whole lives. Mm hmm. For sure. For sure. Terry, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about style. Ooh, okay. Yes. <laughs> no, I know that, you know, I know that that's something you talk with your clients about, you know, the professional presence and you mentioned having blind spots when it comes to your style. Tell me what that means and, and what you encourage your clients to do when it comes to their professional style. Well, you know, I think that, um, I think back in my career, uh, there was a certain point where I I worked for the head of marketing for a particular um, division of the bank where I worked, and he left. He was very, you know, crisp corporate type, mm -hmm. and um, I was sort of his right hand person. And you know, I'd had had a baby and hadn't quite lost all the baby weight, and I threw my hat in the ring for his his job and um, didn't. Uh, it's a little bit of a long story, but I, I 
didn't really prepare myself for the interview process. I just kind of figured, oh, people know me. I'd worked there for like eight years. And I just thought everybody saw me the way I saw myself. Mm. And I didn't really step back and look at myself sort of objectively. I, I always, I have the saying, like, you can't read the label from inside the bottle. You know, sometimes we need to sort of step out and look at ourselves objectively. And it can be a little bit painful sometimes, right? Because in my case, um, I actually got eliminated from the, the uh, job search process for that. And it, it hurt a lot because I had stepped up and actually been the uh, de facto leader of the department when my boss left and it, you know, it was several months. And to have that taken from me, it was humiliating and it was painful. And I just decided at that point, I, I'm going to, it's funny, it's the early 2000s and there wasn't as much talk about executive and career coaching at that time. But I remember saying to myself, I think there's something called like a career coach or something. So I, I did a search and I found somebody in my town and I worked with her for a few months and she helped me with my confidence because I was quite capable. Mm-hmm. I just hadn't stepped, I hadn't leaned into my potential. I hadn't, I hadn't moved uh, up and I really mentally promoted myself to that next level. And part of what we worked on was, okay, I can do this job. I'm smart enough. I know how to do it. But am I, like, is the packaging reflecting that? right? Because people can't see inside your head or your heart and know that. And you need to make sure that the way that you're showing up reflects your capability, right? And so I had to face my own insecurities about, you know, I, I sort of wanted to protect myself and not step out. And she gave me the or I guess helped me discover my confidence or build my confidence. And I, I went out and went shopping and upgraded my wardrobe. I bought, you know, even though I was still losing the baby weight, I bought clothing that fit instead of trying to squish myself into the suits I had before I had my last child. And, you know, I got my hair cut and, you know, I just, I just did all of the things to make my outside reflect what my inside was capable of. Right. So, and interestingly enough, they, they, um, offered that job to someone who turned it down. Mm. And I guess they didn't have a second candidate that they wanted to uh, offer the job to. So they started the process all over again. Mm-hmm. And I threw my hat in the ring a second time after I'd gone through all the coaching and with my new clothes and everything, my whole new style. And this time I made it all the way to the finals. Mm. Uh, it was me and an external candidate. And um, unfortunately, I didn't get the I didn't get the job offer the second time. I think they just wanted to bring in some new blood. Mm-hmm. But the day I found out that I didn't get the job, I got a call from a recruiter that started this flurry of activity on the um, interviewing front, and I ended up within say three months getting two job offers, and I was actively interviewing with a third company. And I ended up taking uh, one of the jobs that brought me here to Chicago. And I came in as the head of marketing for one of their businesses. And it's actually a better job than the one that I didn't get at my old company. (laughs) And I I made a lot more money. And yeah, so I just, I think that, you know, me stumbling and basically falling on my face was a wake up call, not only to me, for me to like step up and inhabit my potential to own it, Mm-hmm. But also to look at myself and say, 
is the way that I am showing up at work signaling that I can be trusted with this extra level of responsibility? Yes. Uh, because, you know, they, the, co the companies, uh, it was a bank, right? You know, they're pretty conservative. They want to make sure that the people they have in positions of authority reflect mm -hmm. the brand of the organization and mm -hmm. that you know, everything is kind of signaling that, hey, here's here's somebody that's got their act together, right? Yes. Yes. I actually just did a talk yesterday about, you know, how to be your brand. And I think, you know, whether you, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs, but also a lot of professionals who work with in the corporate world. And, you know, I tell people, whether you own your own business or you work with somebody else, you are the brand. You mm -hmm. are the reason people do business with you. You are who they have the relationship with. And what you wear tells the world who you are before you open your mouth. And so when you can create an image that matches your message, that matches your brand, it just, it unfolds beautifully. Yes. How have you yeah. seen that happen with your clients? Well, I mean, I think that a lot of times people do have blind spots, right? And it, it does go back to what I was saying. Like, you know, we know ourselves from the inside out and a lot of times don't take the time to have reflected back to um, us how we're really showing up. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, with my, my clients, I really help them get clarity on, okay, what's your goal, mm -hmm. right? What, what is it that you want to happen? Because a lot of times they're at first talking to me about the things that are painful, like, mm -hmm. oh, I want this and I'm not getting it and I'm trying really hard and I'm still not getting it. So, okay, well, let's flip that and say, okay, what's that goal? How do you want to be perceived? What is, what's that level that you want to get to? What is the goal? And then put the roadmap together mm -hmm. and including being clear about like, what are some of the pitfalls? What are some of the pitfalls that you run into? Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe using um, the people around them as context, right? Mm -hmm. So to say like, you know, remember back on, um, in Sesame Street, they'd say like one of these things is not like the others, uh -huh. right? Uh -huh. And it's not to say that you know you have to become a cookie cutter, but mm -hmm. if you know you're working in an organization like in banking, that's very tailored, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And if I actually had somebody that worked on um, a team of mine who was she was overweight and she was uh, on our event team, and she had a lot of she had a lot of interaction with very senior level executives that were, you know, hosting these events and that kind of thing. And she wore um, legging, leggings mm -hmm. all the time. And I, I understand why she did mm -hmm. because um, she probably had a hard time finding clothing that, uh, that fit. But I coached her manager on having a conversation with her about the fact that we were going to need to be selective about what we assigned to her. And she's very, very ambitious, mm -hmm. you know. And so after uh, a couple of conversations, I think she finally got the message that she was going to need to find a solution mm -hmm. that reflected because she was really smart and really capable, um, but her clothing choices were not reflecting that. And in fact, um, you know, in banking, if I was sending somebody in leggings to the CEO, all CEO's office, I could expect a call from his mm -hmm. uh, chief of staff to be like, uh-uh, <laughs> you don't, yeah, you, that's not appropriate. 
Yeah, I, mean, I also own a women's boutique, and it's so fascinating to hear women come in, especially after COVID, after the pandemic. So many women have come in and they've said, oh, you know, I've gained weight, mm-hmm. but I can't buy any clothes. And I think a yeah. lot of women struggle with that feeling of, and I, they may or may not realize that it's basically sending the message that I am not good enough if right. I'm not at my quote unquote perfect weight. Yes. And I know, you know, that was my story. I struggled with weight and self-image forever, for way too long. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it, it makes me so sad when women come in and they say, well, I've gained 20 pounds and I need to lose mm-hmm. that before I'll gain, yes. before I buy any clothes. And, and the way I look at it is you're basically saying, no, I'm not worthy of dressing well, of looking mm-hmm. my best, of feeling great now. And then I see them six months or a year later, they haven't lost the weight. They still right. feel bad about themselves. Right. And so I'm like, it's, it's just a no-win situation. Why penalize yourself? And, and it's very interesting, too, because I think for the most part, um, other people don't notice our weight. <laughs> you know, like we do. And we know, oh, these I can't fit into these jeans anymore. Um, but, you know, friends and even people at work, you know, we gain weight gradually. Right. Mm-hmm. So they're seeing us every day. They're probably not even noticing that we're doing this, but they might start noticing that, you know, we're not looking as uh, crisp as we used to because we're trying to fit into our size eight uh, dress when we're really a size 12. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I think what we just need to accept and love ourselves no matter what and not penalize ourselves for, you know, things that happen. Right. The pandemic, like, pretty much everybody has gained weight during the pandemic because they're not, (laughs) yeah, just not, there's no reason for it. Yeah. I I think that we all deserve to look our best, no matter what the scale says, Mm -hmm. who cares? I know. Absolutely. I think when you can really step into it and say, you know what, I'm a size two or 22 or 16 or it doesn't matter. No. I tell my clients, if you don't like the size you wear, take the scissors and cut it out because you are the only person who knows what the size is. And you right. know, honestly, with women's clothing, with I see, I'm like, there's very little consistency. You might be a right. six in one pair of pants and a 12 in another. It's so true. So, so true. I learned a lot from that um, that show that I wish it was still on, uh, What Not to Wear. Yes. I loved that oh, show. That I actually, cool. that helped me evolve. Um because you know they were always saying exactly what you just said which is get clothing that fits you who cares what size it is go and get it tailored i mean most people most women especially are not the you know mannequin that they use to make the clothing with right like we're all different sizes and even like celebrities and stuff that we see and we're like oh they always look so good their clothes are tailored they're telling right. you they wear, they're wearing two layers of Spanx. It's not reality, yes. but you know, it's yeah. so crazy. I just, I feel that with social media and celebrities, we're seeing everybody's highlight reel yes. or we're seeing yeah. them when they have a team of stylists and they've been on, you know, the master cleanse for two weeks, you know, doing nothing right. but drinking lemon water. And then they've still got three pairs of Spanx on and a spray mm-hmm. tan. And yeah, they've got these people whose full-time job it is to make them look good. Right. And we look at them and think, oh, well, I don't look that good. Something's wrong with me. Like I did that for years. I yeah. made myself wrong. Something's wrong with me and went down that rabbit hole. And that was no fun. 
But you're right. I think it's just when we can honor and accept ourselves wherever we are and say, I am good enough and Mm -hmm. look inside and say, who am I on the inside and express that on the outside? That's powerful. Well, I think we also end up connecting with others a lot more because we don't have all of that static and all of that, you know, rumination in our heads, like, you know, looking around, oh, is somebody looking at me? Do they think I look too fat? Right? Like, who cares? Like, if we can just show up as we are and with all of our foibles, Mm -hmm. it gives other people permission to be human also, right? I think that that's part of the reason why, you know, people loved Oprah so much because she would just share her issues. I mean, I can still remember when she went on that, you know, cleanse diet. I mean, maybe this is a little bit undermining what we're talking about, but, you know, she pulled that wagon full of like, I don't know, 30 pounds of chicken fat on out onto the, you know, that she was like, this is, this used to be on my body, you know, but she was willing to, you know, let people know things about her that weren't, weren't perfect, Mm -hmm. you know, and then she eventually got around to just being like, I'm just accepting myself for who I am. And I'm just going to dress the body that I have. And, that's comforting. Yes, it's comforting to, you know, I, I just saw a headline the other day um, where Queen Latifah said something about, you know, that she's over this whole, you know, focus on obesity. And she's like, I'm just loving the body that I'm in. And I was like, that's so funny because I, I mean, I don't, obviously I have no idea how much she weighs, but I've always thought she she dressed well and she always looks really good. And I never really thought of like, oh, she should look like a, you know, Sports Illustrated bikini mm-hmm. model or something like that. I always just thought she seemed like a strong woman who loved herself. And, and I, I'm glad to see, you know, people like that, that are in the, um, the public eye saying like, Hey, I like myself and I like who I am. And I'm like, okay, yeah. And you're also a beautiful, strong woman. That's awesome. You know, it's good, good to have role models like that. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. She, yeah. She just, she wears it well. She carries it well. She dresses well. Yeah. And she just got some kick-ass confidence. Yeah, exactly. And we can all, you know, we all can lean into that because we all, we can all do that. I think that a lot of times people think that, oh, that's only for certain people. And guess what? We can all lean into that. We all have that capability to love who we are, to make the best of what we've got. And, you know, I I always say like comparison is the um, thief of joy. Yes. And true. You know, and and I also say like, okay, if we each have our own mission, you know, own unique mission based on the gifts that only we were given, Mm -hmm. and then why in the world should we compare ourselves to somebody else, right? Um, Because they're here for a different reason than we are. Absolutely. Absolutely. Terry, tell me about your book. Well, my book is called Winning the Game of Work, and I... um, Actually, the seeds of it came when I was leaving my corporate job, and I just was sort of processing a lot of lessons and thoughts that I had about working in the corporate world, and I started blogging. I blogged for about two years, and at some point, somebody said, how many words do you have? I was like, I have no idea, but I downloaded them, and I had about 25,000 words, and I realized that I was well on my way to having a book, so I joined a book writing program. and. The book is really about sharing a lot of the hard-won lessons that I learned. Mm -hmm. I mean, I didn't 
I came from a blue collar background, so I didn't have any guides or mentors in my family that could tell me like how to play the game of work. And in fact, I didn't know that it was a game. <laughs> I just thought, oh, I was good at school. I'll just do the same thing in the workplace that I did at school. And I soon discovered that uh, that's not how it works. Mm -hmm. at, you know, there was, there was something else going on and I, it took me a long time to figure out like, what are the dynamics here and what do you need to do to get ahead? So I just really wanted to share the lessons that I learned with people so that they don't have to struggle so much mm -hmm. that they can sort of, like I was saying earlier, zoom out and see the dynamics of what's going on, get to know themselves as as a player in the game and make strategic moves so that they can get the things that they want. Um, so I, I have lots of stories from my own career. I have some stories um, from some of my clients. They've been anonymized. I don't know if that's a word, but um, it's not like it real isn't. names or uh, <laughs> um, what, what do they say? Um, names have been changed to protect the innocent. <laughs> um, and then I also interviewed uh, 11 people who I I thought they had really interesting career journeys. And I wanted to share that because I know for a lot of people, they can look at people that have been successful in business or in their careers and think that they were just lucky or they just found that, you know, hidden elevator that took them to the top floor. And everybody that I interviewed has had, you know, pitfalls and challenges. And I found their stories really inspirational. And I wanted to share those with people so that they could be like, oh, okay, well, maybe I'm just in the valley right now. And around the bend, there's going to be, you know, the path to um, higher, higher levels, right? Just keep going. Absolutely. I think we all, all need to see those, see and hear those stories of inspiration that people have been where we are and keep go, just keep going. Yeah, just keep going. Yep. Success is ahead. Terry, anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? Well, I, I'm going to reiterate what I said a little bit earlier, which is um, for all of your listeners, just recognize that you are worthy. You were brought to earth with very unique gifts that only you have. Lean into those. You know, your purpose here is to find your mission and make it happen. Um, you know, you're special. So just recognize that. Never let that go. So true. So true. Terry, thank you so much for being here with us today. Michelle, just, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for tuning in to Style by Mary Michelle, where women come to get dressed in seven minutes or less. If you enjoyed this podcast, I invite you to leave me a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at Style by Mary Michelle and shop our boutique at shopstylefinder.com for the best in upscale casual apparel. Better yet, if you're in the Raleigh area, come see us. We're located in the North Hills Shopping Center, the premier shopping district in Midtown Raleigh. For details and links mentioned in this episode, be sure to see the show notes. Have a beautiful week.